Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I'm bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Hi, my name's Debbie Hawthorne. Um, some of you may know me as Debbie Hurwitz, which is my Facebook profile and my maiden name. Um, I am a pharmacist, a rural pharmacist who works up in northeast Victoria. Um, I have many hats, but I guess you could probably call me a primary care pharmacist. So I am a consultant. I do home medication reviews, residential medication management reviews. I work in a GP clinic. I um, also do a lot of telehealth. So um, I work with a company called Beyond Pain as a clinical pharmacist, um, working with insurance companies, work cover, that type of thing. Um, and also do some chemical restraint consultations um, for people living with autism and intellectual disability through the NDIS. Um, I also dabble a little bit in research. I'm an adjunct senior lecturer at the University of Western Australia, which I get is quite a distance from northeast Victoria. <laughs> Luckily, um, we can do everything via the internet. Um, I also am a subject matter expert for uh, my local PHN, which is the Murray um, PHN, um, with, with various topics that come up. Um, and I, I do a little bit of education um, for GP registrars, for um, pharmacy interns, for, um, yeah, for, for lots of different um, allied health. And I think that's probably most of my roles. <laughs> Maybe I should ask, um, how do you balance it all? Maybe that should be my first question. <laughs> I think it would depend on the week. <laughs> That's a lot of hats. That's a lot of hats. Um, I might ask you, first of all, um, so within general practice, um, you work as a GP pharmacist. And could you tell me a little bit about the role and what your average day might look like? Yeah, so I have been a general practice pharmacist since about the start of 2020, um, which is always a good time to start anything at the <laughs> um, just before COVID really hit. So when I, when I first started, um, well, I didn't really start. I had I had a bit of a false start. So I, I saw probably patients for about two weeks, um, and I just did like in-house medication reviews, kind of just getting the feel for it as a pharmacist who knew nothing about the MBS or, you know, how a GP clinic work, except for as a patient's perspective. Um, and uh, they're quite a wheel. <laughs> it took me quite a few years to, to get that knowledge. Um, so then COVID hit and I, um, and it turned into more of a health promotional role. So I started creating little videos um, to put up on our um, clinic's website, um, doing telehealth type of stuff. Um, and then uh, once things kind of calmed down a bit and I started doing a bit more face-to-face -face roles, I got a bit more um, – oh, actually, sorry, before I got more involved in the MBS, while I was still finding my GP pharmacist legs, so to speak, I um, did a, a type of opioid stewardship. Um, so I – uh, learned how to use this program called PenCat, um, which is a way of collecting data. I pretty much um, had a chat with every single person that came through our clinic that was taking opioids for um, non, sorry, for chronic non-cancer pain um, and did type of an opioid agreement with them. Um, and, and it helped me sort of build my confidence and, you know, learn to use different programs that I've never used before and um, also get to know the staff, like the nurses, the doctors and all, all the um, admin that I've been working with. 
Um, and then from there, um, I was a bit more comfortable, a bit more settled. And then I started uh, really getting into the MBS, so starting doing things like um, uh, chronic disease care plans, health assessments, so for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, for um, people over the age of 75, for um, uh, people at risk of developing diabetes or, or heart disease. And then um, I realised that my clinic wasn't doing anything called called a heart health assessment, which is a, a type of health assessment. Um, and I initiated that. And, and yeah, lots of like it, it's ebbs and flows. And I, I was very fortunate in that the business manager is a pharmacist. The principal GP did pharmacy training first. <laughs> Um, and now our practice manager as well is a pharmacist, so very pro-pharmacy type of GP clinic. Um, and they really gave me um, room to sort of feel what I could do, what I could add. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess I just spread my wings and, it, and it's constantly developing and, and no two days are the same. It's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. Wow. So it sounds like you've used a lot of initiative um, to come up with different ideas throughout the different times post-COVID, during COVID. Um. I think that's I think that's the beauty. And I didn't realise that I love these novel roles. I didn't realise I was I was scared beyond belief getting into it, thinking, you know, I'm not qualified enough for this. I I'd I had young kids. I um, hadn't really worked in the pharmacy space for about 18 months, you know. I, I was just really finding my feet as a consultant pharmacist. Uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of doubts, um, but you know, I, I was supported um, and encouraged and let loose. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so ongoingly, I guess, um, what what does your day look like now? Um, just so that people can maybe um, understand if they were interested in the role, what might, I mean, I know they're not the same, but what might an outline of a day look like? Um, so, look, Every GP pharmacist's job is different. I um, really focused on making my job sustainable, aka trying to generate an income. Um, uh, we have a lot of things against us as pharmacists and GP clinics. We can't claim on the MBS. I can help collect data and help others claim on the MBS. Um, you know, we, we have – we can do a – look – it's a lot of crossover as well with the nursing role. Um, so I just, I really, really focused on on trying to make this job ongoing, I guess. And so because of that, I, a normal day would look like maybe, you know, two or three um, chronic disease care plans. From that, I'd probably identify if they need health assessments and then probably book them in with me to see me next week or, or one of the nurses or, or GPs, depending on, on what the health assessment was. Um, and then probably the other half of the day I'd be doing health assessments. Um, and then from that work as well, um, we know as pharmacists, we're the best people um, to recognise who needs a home medication review. And so from meeting these people in the clinic, you know, developing a rapport, saying, hey, how's your medicines going? You know, like, oh, yeah, all right. Like, you know, how are you going with your puffers? All that kind of just general chit chat in, in the health assessments and care plans. Because the other thing I found as a pharmacist, it's really hard not to focus completely on medicines. <laughs> Because you've got a lot to do in this time, so you've got to like be really strict with yourself. All right, I can see there's a few potential medication-related um, issues. Uh, how, how do you feel about doing a home medication review? And then I'd talk to the patient about it first. We'd go and see the doctor, and the doctor is 
will always 100% agree. <laughs> yes, they, they could use a home medication review and then I'd probably see them in a couple of weeks to visit them at home and, um, you know, this wonderful cycle of care. I get to see them in the GP clinic, in their home. I get to do follow-ups. I get to develop a relationship, um, which is something that I loved as a community pharmacist back in the day when I was working in a community pharmacy. You you develop this, this these, these relationships that go on for years, you know, um, especially being in the country, these relationships have become very, very strong because they depend on you a lot. Um, but yeah, through, through this role and having the ability to see people in the clinic and at home, um, I could do that. You know, I, one of my first patients um, I saw, you know, back in 2020, um, I first of all, actually this way, I did a home medication review and then I realised, hey, I think you probably need a mental health care plan. I think there's a few other things going on. Let's get you booked in for all those. And then I, I saw him a few times um, throughout the years. And then I think it was probably two months ago, I saw him in the waiting room. I said, oh, hey, how are you going? We're just having a general chit chat. Um, and for some reason, the conversation got onto his Norspan patch and he was telling me that he kept it on for a month. And he's saying that his pain wasn't controlled. I'm like, all right, how about we have another chat? <laughs> You know, these things that, that would go completely unmissed um, if I hadn't developed that relationship with him. Um, so, yeah, while while that is a general day, which I think was your original question, no two days are ever the same, which is wonderful and which is what my brain clearly needs with all my little pots and pies. <laughs> um, I'd like to ask, what kind of steps do you think a pharmacist should take or could take to get into this area of practice? Uh, so that's actually a question I'm very practised at answering because through the Facebook group that I administrate, the Consultant Pharmacists of Australia, um, and through a few other various mentoring roles, I get asked that question on honestly a weekly basis. And I'm always happy to answer because the more GP pharmacists there are, the stronger the role will be and the more accepted it will be as part of normal practice. So one of the things that I feel would have helped me at the start was a, if I realised what a GP pharmacist did, because I had no idea. I didn't know who to ask. Um, B, if I knew more about the MBS. So that there's, um, you know, there's heaps of really amazing ways now to find out more about what a GP pharmacist does. Like there's um, Tim Perry um, in uh, Western Sydney. He runs a group of GP pharmacists through Wentwest through his PHM and he has initiated a GP pharmacist symposium. So last year was the first year. We're aiming to have another one this year in October and we get to see and hear about what pharmacists are doing in general practice all over Australia. And that's a free event and I definitely get everyone to come. But, um, you know, talking to, to pharmacists who are actually working in the space is definitely where I'd start. Um, and then learning about what MBS items we can contribute to, because at the end of the day, a GP clinic is very similar to a community pharmacy. They they need to make ends meet. They need to keep the doors open so that they can keep treating people. Um, so, you know, keeping that in mind, we need to try and make our position sustainable. And therefore, it is really important to learn about MBS. And also, the more we, we learn about the MBS, the better we're going to be able to speak to our GP, GP colleagues um, and, you know, then spurting out these numbers doesn't sound like a foreign language anymore. Um, our PSA actually has a great suite um, of 
uh, materials, uh, which again, I wish I'd realised before I started the GP pharmacist role, but I'm continually referring back to it. Um, you know, they talk about all these MBS items uh, and it does seem really foreign when you first start because we're so used to the PBS because that's how we're trained. You know, we don't learn in pharmacy school about the MBS um, because it is so new. Maybe things are changing. I went to pharmacy school a little while ago now. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that would probably be um, the main two. So talking to someone who is working in a GP clinic or has worked in a GP clinic and um, learning a bit more about the MBS. Thank you. And I guess I'd ask what funding models do you think would be needed to ensure patients can access the services a pharmacist delivers in the general practice settings? Pharmacists need access to the MBS. Like it's, I, even though I'm so proactive and I am constantly co-claiming and I think, um, Without tuning my own horn, I, I think I am pretty good at recognising um, where we can help to add funds to the role. But it's not enough. It's barely enough to pay my wage. Um, the reason I've been able to be a GP pharmacist for so long is because I've been, it's been my my wage has been subsidised by a grant from the Murray PHN. Um, and that's how a lot of GP pharmacists in Australia have started out. There are, however, a few private um, privately funded GP pharmacists and there are more and more coming um, like there's a great clinic over in Perth and they employ I think three or maybe even four um, GP pharmacists privately you know they've got one doing health assessments one doing case conferencing um, and and education um, it can be done but it is tricky um, and I think getting access to the MBS is sensible um, in this cohort of pharmacists. I think that pharmacists embedded in the GP clinic, nurses have access, dietitians have access, diabetes educators have access, we should also get access. And um, in your role as a GP pharmacist, how do you interact with pharmacists in the hospital and community settings? <laughs> I actually have, uh, I have incredible relationships with both um, my local uh, hospital pharmacy department. Um, I actually do some education. I've hosted their interns throughout the years. Um, it, it's wonderful. You know, I've, I call the um, deputy pharmacy director there regularly. We had coffee, I think, a week or two ago just to talk about our plans and, um, you know, try and build up pharmacy, not just in the hospital, not just in consultancy or GP clinics, but for the whole of northeast Victoria. And then, yeah, I I spoke to one of the community pharmacists who run one of the big um, pharmacies in town yesterday. You know, we've got this wonderful relationship. They know that the days that I work at the clinic, they can call me um, and find something out really quickly rather than having to wait for the GP to finish seeing the patient. Um, you know, we, we speak the same language. Um, uh, and, yeah, I, I've created a, a sort of another community of practice. I do love my community of practices, which you'll, you'll get to realise, <laughs> of northeast um, Victorian pharmacists. Originally, it was a consultant pharmacist um, network, but um, I sort of opened it up because, uh, you know, it, it's really, really good for um, pharmacists in community, in hospital um, and in consultancy to all understand what each other does because we've all got such important roles to play and not one of us would exist without the other. Um, and uh, being in the country, yes, it is it is probably easier to make these connections and networks, um, but it still takes effort. 
And um, you still got to have people that have an open mind and, and are willing to create um, these relationships. And um, I really love living up here and working up here. And it's um, it's really wonderful that as a consultant pharmacist and as a GP pharmacist, like the only um, pharmacist working clinically in my GP clinic, um, you know, it, it can be quite isolating. But I've actually got these really strong networks through other avenues. Um, and, yeah, we've got lots of plans. <laughs> Thank you. And <clears throat> um, what training or ongoing development do you need to work in this role? I think that working in this role has actually, it's made me realise where I need to upskill and it's made me really excited about improving um, my knowledge. So when I first started that opioid stewardship, for instance, I really wanted to understand more about chronic pain. So I enrolled in the PainWise course, um, which Joyce McSwan runs. And for consultant pharmacists, it's actually a one-on-one -on -one course, which was incredible. Again, we did it by telehealth. And my, my knowledge went from I feel zero to 100. Um, and then I, I realised in this role, um, in the GP pharmacist role, that probably every second person that I was seeing was either um, diagnosed with type 2 diabetes or at risk of developing type 2 diabetes like it's it's I don't I think my area is perhaps slightly higher than than other areas um, but because of that I've now gone down the path of becoming a credential diabetes educator um, you know I did the course last year I'm halfway through my hours I, I think that when you're when you're engaged and passionate about a role you just want to improve you just you're just curious you know you want you want to do the best for your patients. You want to make their time. Um, you know, you you want to educate. You want to uh, you want to improve health outcomes. But in the especially in rural communities, it is really really hard to get in to see any sort of clinician, GP specialist, um, pharmacist. Pharm well, community pharmacists are our most accessible, but um, it is really really tricky to get that time and so we want to make sure that when we get a patient in we give them the most up-to-date um, and the most needed information for their for their particular situation and we can only do that if we're educated ourselves. You mentioned that you work in telehealth as well. Yeah. Um, can, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, I work in a variety of telehealth settings, actually. So it all started with Anna Barwick with Farm Online. So um, I uh, was helping out when she was first setting that up. And we're still um, collaborating on a few different roles there. Like we're running a, um, a gestational diabetes um, clinic as well, because you can tell I've sort of got a bit of an interest in, in diabetes. Um, and together we created a whole suite of resources um, through a grant she got from um, her PHN, her government. Um, and so, yeah, providing telehealth, just sort of mini medication reviews on um, over the phone. Uh, and then working with Beyond Pain. So um, there's this amazing physiotherapist and who runs this company. And I, one of the things that I love most about working with Ange and his team is it's multidisciplinary. You know, we've got psychologists, we've got um, exercise physiologists, we've got um, physiotherapists, we've got pharmacists. Um, so the original pharmacist there was Nicolette Ellis, who's a pain guru up in Brisbane, who also runs a GP pharmacist program, just out of interest. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, she asked for me to come on board, and, and it's wonderful. The really interesting about doing these um, telehealth sort of pain um, 
focused reviews is it's really wonderful doing a medication review with a focus. You know, quite often you get home medication reviews and the only blurb you'll get from the GP is um, this person's taken five or more medications. I'd love to review. There's not sort of a focus or a goal. Um, and quite often the patients themselves don't have a focus or a goal um, and aren't always as engaged. Whereas I find with these reviews, because um, we have people living with chronic pain for, for such a long period of time and they've quite often tried a few different things and quite often got a lot of specialists involved um, and they, you know, being able to really focus on, all right, pain, this is what you're doing, this is what you've done, this is where we could go. Um, it's it's just a different style, but I really enjoy it. Um, it tends to be as well, um, my home medication reviews are generally for over 65s. Um, I do see a few a few younger, um, but, the, but this cohort of patients tends to be a fair bit younger, um, especially when you're dealing with work cover and um, those types of um, injuries. Uh, and it's, again, being in that multidisciplinary team and being supported by all these other specialists in these fields, um, you feel you can do more or achieve more um, with these patients. Um, yeah, and, and I really, really enjoy enjoy that work. Um, and then the the other type of sort of telehealth, like it, we could do it face-to-face, -face, but it's a little bit trickier in this scenario, is those um, chemical restraint consultations um, that I was um, sort of talking about at the start, which is, um, again, a more focused type of medication review. So looking um, at people with living with intellectual disability and autism um, generally, um, and they don't, uh, these type of people don't always have, um, that isn't their only health concerns. There's quite often a few other um, types of issues going on. Um, but again, really focused on looking at the medications. Is this a chemical restraint? Is this not a medical uh, chemical restraint? Why are you using this? You know, it's, um, and I do a lot of those with parents of, um, of younger uh, of younger adults or even um, kids. Like I've done a lot sort of around the age of 10 type of thing. Um, and again, you're, you're dealing, it, it's just a different style because you're dealing with a parent of the person um, who, who really wants the best for their children because what parent doesn't? Um, yeah, and it, it's just, it's different. Again, something that I wasn't as confident um, when first starting, but I love throwing myself in the deep end um, and I had great mentors with Mania Angley and a, a whole host of others from South Australia who helped me get started in this role, um, who I've worked with again since 2020. Um, it's been a long time coming, but it, it's been a, um, a really wonderful journey. And again, I get to work with um, case managers um, and parents and um, psychiatrists and paediatricians. And yeah, it's, I really, really enjoy my job. I think you can hear. <laughs> I can tell. Um, with the proposed um, UTI trials um, coming and those that have been going on in Sydney and Queensland represents great opportunities for those in Victoria as well. I guess, uh, how do you see yourself fitting in and and are you excited about them as well? And Yeah, yeah, look... I, I am all for pharmacists expanding scope of practice and as a woman myself who has had a UTI or two in the past, it would be wonderful to go into a community pharmacy that's open till eight o'clock rather than waiting till tomorrow and being in pain and, you know, knowing what you've got. Um, I think um, 
while I am excited, you know, I, I think we need to be really cautious about this and make sure that we're providing the best possible service and keeping to the guidelines and showing um, perhaps our comrades who are naysayers in other um, fields that we can do this, that th this is something that we are really good at and it's something that we're probably doing already. We just don't have the ability to be able to provide the medication. I'm just hopeful that uh, the legislation will match up with that. Thank you. And I've asked you a few questions about your career, but I guess I'd ask, is there anything else you would like to share with the audience before moving on to the next topic about your roles and any advice you might have for people who, like yourself, like to work in a variety of different roles um, and be engaged and challenged in different ways? I'd like to say, I was actually thinking about this this morning and about how my goals as a pharmacist change. You know, I, I started off pharmacy thinking I would work in the city. I'd have my little community pharmacy and, you know, I'd have my little oldies coming in and we'd get to chat and have tea every day. And that was my goal. And then I, I look at myself today and how far removed I am from that goal, but how happy I am. And I think I, think I, I was sort of going through those thoughts and thinking, all right, I had these goals. Imagine if I'd stuck to them and, and been um, inflexible and not been open and not been curious and not, um, had the courage to jump in the deep end. Would I be as happy as I am now? I don't. I don't know. You know, this is all um, uh, retrospective sort of thinking. But yes, while it is great to have goals, I also would really, really encourage others to just be open-minded. Um, you don't know what's going to suit you until you try it. And sure, you might try a few things and, um, you know, it might not work out for you and that's okay. Um, it's a journey, like no educational, no change is ever wasted, I don't think. Um, but if you are not happy or not feeling fulfilled, well, it's time for a change and that's okay. Thank you. And may I ask what might be next for you then? Um, as you, <laughs> the big open question, what might be next for you? Well, currently I, I am working on those um, diabetes education hours, um, which is tricky as a part-timer having little ones in school. Nine to three still isn't great working hours. <laughs> um, so I'm sort of really focused on, on getting down that path. But I um, am also in the midst of collaborating with um, ACP to do some education, which is pretty exciting. I've done a little bit of education in the past, but I'm, I'm still very new um, to the area. And so, again, I'm challenging myself, putting myself out there um, and also getting a little bit more involved in research. I, I have been part of a few research papers and I've got some incredible mentors who have really um, help me along the way, but it's such a big world and I've only touched the surface. So I definitely like to get more involved and, and learn more. And, you know, I'm just all about making connections and about um, uh, advocating for these novel, not, they're not so novel anymore, are they, GP pharmacists? Like most pharmacists would know what a GP pharmacist was, whereas I didn't back in 2020. Um, but I think just um, showing pharmacists through different avenues through community of practices, through podcasts, <laughs> that there is more to pharmacy than community, hospital and industry. 
and it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can have lots of little drop um, jobs and it, and it's great being able to keep your mind active and engaged. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, advocacy, research, more medication reviews. Um, I've just moved into a farm, so I'm going to learn to be a farmer too. So lots of things on the go. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP podcast and send us a message.